The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Wanu Water. Guys, this is the first to market best-selling nutrient-infused water. It's packed with 10 essential vitamins, including 24% of your daily fiber intake, which is so wild. I have a Wanu Water every day. He really does. And I have a Wanu Water usually with my cocktail. I'm telling you, it's so good with a little bit of tequila, some lime, perhaps a sprig of mint, a sprig of rosemary. I'm telling you. Even Zaza was like grabbing the bottle from no, me. She drinks it with a straw. I drink it. I like the peach flavor. I love getting my fiber. I love getting my vitamins. I like switching it up and getting away from boring water. Yeah, it is. It's a nice way to kind of jazz up your water, sex up your cocktail. The water tastes good. It contains vitamin E and K and various B vitamins. I am a huge fan of the peach passion. Um, I'm on a kick with that right now. And the main thing for me is just it's filled with fiber. I feel good about drinking my water. And we've had the founders, Todd and Jacqueline, on the show on episode 318, where we talked all about the benefits of Wanu water to boost your metabolism, your immune system, to quench your appetite. It's it's really an incredible product. They've done a great job. And if you're interested in learning more, definitely go and listen to that episode. You should also know Zero Artificial Sweeteners. It's sugar-free, free of sugar alcohols, and naturally sweetened with a blend of monk fruit and stevia. Personally, I would definitely start with the Peach Passion, but I know they have a varietal pack, so you can try them all to see what you like best. Wanu Water has a code for you. Of course, it's wanuwater.com slash skinny and promo code skinny for 20% off all regular case orders. That's wanuwater.com slash skinny promo code skinny for 20% off all regular case orders. I'm telling you, try this with a little tequila or have it plain. You're going to love it. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. So I did that. I stayed with that group for as long as I could. I saw, and then the whole thing about feeling like if you don't feel like your body is strong, your mind isn't strong. So because there's such a connection and we all know it. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast. I'm Lauren Everts Bostick, the creator of the Skinny Confidential. And across from me is my husband, Michael Bostick. Howdy. Today, we have an episode that's kind of fun because it's kind of like you're at happy hour with all of our friends. We decided to invite my Pilates teacher who has become a dear friend of mine in LA, Betsy Grassi, and her significant other, Jonna Preya, on the show. To give you a little context, Betsy is a top celebrity influence Pilates instructor. She honestly has all the moves when it comes to Pilates. She trained me throughout my whole entire pregnancy with Zaza. I waddled over to her from our house every single day. She trained me and then I would waddle back home up until the day that I gave birth. I think I worked out with her the day my water. I'm convinced that's why that delivery was so quick. (laughs) You're strong as hell. (laughs) Um, She's absolutely amazing. Check her out on Instagram at Parker Pilates. And then we also asked her to bring on her stallion of a husband. He is a stallion. John, my man, you are a handsome SOB. Yeah, they are a very good looking couple. Betsy has got it hip. She's going on. She's got the body. She's got the clothes. And then John, her significant other, is an American actor and comedian. He's best known for his role in The Godfather Part 2. He was also in Sopranos. He's also Uncle Jesse's dad in Full House and in Fuller House, which is so hot because how fucking hot is Uncle Jesse? I mean, listen, I... (laughs) Uncle Jesse is hot. I, I can't. I can't lie. Come on, you can't lie about that. No, I mean, like, there's some guys you come across and you're just like, well, like, I get it. I, I, see I it. mean, Uncle Jesse. When I was little, my eyeballs were popping out of my sockets. Yeah, I, I can't blame you. And you know what's even hotter is that Uncle Jesse has a hot dad, John. <laughs> Lauren, it's all fiction, though. You know that, right? All right. Okay. I mean, the people right. are real, but you know, all right. calm down. It's you all right. Know, you You'll, never be okay. know. You'll be okay. So I think that this conversation is really fun because they're telling stories of their life, but they're also peppering in Pilates tips. And we're talking about acting. We're talking about the Olsen twins. A lot of marriages. I think there's like nine between them, right? Nine marriages between both of them. And what I love and what attracted me to Betsy so much is that when I went to her studio, I walked in, I looked around the studio. It was so beautiful, good energy. And she was so open with her life. And every single time I work out with her, which is a lot, she just tells it how it is. And she's unapologetically herself. And I appreciate that, especially in the world we're in today. 
And I think that this episode's so fun because they are both so open. With that, let's welcome Betsy Grossi and John Aprea to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast. This is the Skinny Confidential Him and Her. John? You've got great hair. Thank you so much. Oh, no. We're going to Everybody start off like says that. that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I, uh, got, I got one thing going for me. No, no, I doubt that. You have two things going. <laughs> no, my feet are hot, and everybody says it, but we like a modest guy. Yeah, cr- Chris you, was saying that you got competition, like what, even with Weston. What do you mean? He, Chris was saying that you are very hot. Yeah. Chris, if you're listening. Thank you, Chris. Chris is Betsy and my friend. Okay, so we have Betsy Parker, who is my Pilates teacher. She is the hottest Pilates teacher in LA, and we have her counterpart, John, who is also so hot in his leather jacket. John is an actor, and they have been together for 20 years. Oh, no more. More. How long? Mm. 22? 22. Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't even know if I can make it through the first five. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, you know what? Let's uh, say 20 because we, we broke up twice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And okay. We, we may break up during this interview, but probably not. Okay. Because it happens all the time. Okay. You yeah. know what? A little breakup's good. But we wake up every night. <laughs> Just about. It's a struggle. But hey, listen, it's fun. I want to get some context of both of you guys. And so first, um, I want to go all the way back because I've heard working out with Betsy about your childhoods. But I want to start with your childhood. So maybe, Betsy, you start. And then, John, you can tell us about your childhood. Sure. To get really specific. Yeah. So I'll start. So, yeah, I was born in uh, Waukegan, Illinois. If anyone doesn't know where that is, it's a little... Not a little suburb. It's a big suburb of Chicago. It's on Lake Michigan, and it is a factory town. My parents were born in America. Their parents were immigrants. We're Armenian by ethnicity, but we're very American. We never like got clannish. I don't know. I, there's no other way to describe it. There were probably 50 Armenian families back then. So yeah, and there I have uh, four siblings. So there were five of us, and we are one year apart. And there were three boys and two girls. Mom and dad were busy. Mom and dad were busy. Mom and dad really didn't like each other that much, but they liked having sex, I think. They ended up getting divorced after we were all raised 24 years later. But I have three brothers. I learned how to be tough. I learned how to be funny. I was a tomboy. I learned sports. But I think I loved, still loved being girly in fashion for sure. John, give us a little context of your childhood. I was born in... Englewood, New Jersey, to Italian parents. They were, were, for, they were born in Italy, Sorrento and Castellamare. And I had a normal f- 50s. I was a football player. I was dated the cheerleaders. And, you know, it was just that idyllic 50s football player lifestyle. And then I didn't, I, I went to college for a short time and that, I left that. And Moved to New York and tried to be an actor. That was the main thing that you went into right right out of school. You just always wanted to be an actor, or no? I wanted to be a pro football player. But look at me. I mean, I don't know if you can see me, but they obviously are not a pro football player. I loved it and went went to this little college in in Pennsylvania, played football, and left in one year, and then came. Then the acting bug probably was in my mind, but I didn't. I it just came on, you know. I want to talk about your relationships before you guys got together, because when I first met Betsy, I came to her Pilates studio. I was five months pregnant. Farah recommended me (laughs) to her. Shout out to Farah. She's been on the podcast, too. And I came in and I immediately loved the energy in her studio. And then within five minutes of talking to her, she told me, Hi, I'm Betsy, and I've had five husbands. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is the fucking Pilates studio for me. This is amazing. This That's is like, Lauren, Don't get funny. any ideas, Lauren. No, it's <laughs> so inspiring. So can you guys talk about a little bit before you guys met each other, what those relationships were, what that looked like? Uh, yeah, I'm, well, happy to, I'm happy to start. You want me to start? Yeah, yeah, please. I have, Ladies well, first. I, okay, I have a few more than him, but John only had four marriages. I've had five, so I'll start. Four. I have five now. Uh, what are you guys, what? collecting or what? Yeah, <laughs> 10. I used to call the first two the five-minute marriages. So the five-minute marriage, and those are the ones I used to brush under the rug, and people would ask me after I had, my daughter was from the third husband. So Wait, how the, old was the first marriage? How old were you? I think I was 21. Okay, so you're young. I was 21. The 
number one morning DJ program director saw me in a club, asked, he was there signing autographs or something. This is in Las Vegas, by the way. He asked if someone could bring me over and introduce. And I was 21. And I was like, this is pretty fun. And the next morning he was like putting love songs, de dedicating them to me to on the morning drive, which was the 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. I think spot. He told me after about two weeks that he was married. So I ditched him, walked away and said, don't ever please talk to me again. It was it was a little more detailed than that, but it, it went like that. And then what happened, he came back about two months later to the place where I was working and tried to talk to me. And I said, I don't want to waste my time. And he said, please, I just have to tell you something. And he got on his knee, proposed marriage and said he dumped, dumped the wife and he just has to marry me. So I went, oh, somebody did that. OK, <laughs> basically, that's what happened. That's a bold guy. And that, then how long were you with him and why did you guys break up well, into the next one? Because we broke up because I was so young. And in those days, uh, this is like we're going back to 1974, maybe something like this. DJs, when they were the program directors, were getting paid by record companies to pay to play their artists music because it was all about the ratings. So payola. there was payola and payola wasn't money then. Guess what it was? Concert tickets and drugs. And lots concert tickets and drugs, lots of drugs, and one of them being cocaine, a drug I knew nothing about. And so I was doing it with him, and we were having nothing but fun. And I here I was, this young, like 21, 22 year old girl, not thinking anything in the world could ever go wrong. And I was starting to watch him go down and go down. And all of a sudden, about a year and a half into it, I went, I really got to get out of this. This is all wrong. So it took a little bit, but a little help from some of my family members. And I left. I broke his heart. I, it was the right thing to do at the right time. And then what's number two? And then what happened? What happened? Imagine being at a place where you have so many husbands that you got to you can't remember. The poor sons oh, oh, wait, no, no. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. I remember now. OK, so when I left, he put me up in a very nice place to live. So I was living in a beautiful high rise. And there was a man that I used to see on the elevator, much older than me. This is my only experience with a much older man. And I'm not talking about you, <laughs> old man. I'm talking about like daddy, much older, like people we've talked about. And I, I don't judge because I did it once. And How many? What's the age gap we're talking? Here? Oh, it could have been 27 years. OK. Yeah. Like daddy. Um, I think, yeah, that's about how old, much older my dad is. Who This this man, we can talk about, he was, he's since passed. I, I was charmed. I was the little girl being very charmed by the intellectual. He was a writer. He was a stock market investor. He wrote an advisory service for a brokerage firm on Wall Street. We traveled the world. At a year and a half later, about the same thing, I went, we have nothing in common. And is this the guy that you came back to all your siblings and you told me you were bragging about where you had gone in the world. A hundred percent. You have to tell that story. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have one brother that I'm very close to. He's one. He's the older one of the five of us. And he was working out here in L.A. as a writer at the time uh, and a successful writer. He wrote a lot of uh, television comedy shows that we all know. And he, he invited me and this man to dinner. He, we arrived at the restaurant. There were six or seven other people, my, my brother's friends. And I was so excited about this trip that I'd been on and because I'd never been to any place like this. Everything was five-star hotels, limos, go shop, buy a fur, whatever you want. So I'm, I guess I'm chatting away about it at dinner, not realizing what an idiot I sounded to my brother sitting there with some of his friends who were struggling actors. Some were struggling actors, struggling writers didn't know. And it was the best lesson I ever had in my life because my brother pulled me aside, I think later that night and in a, the most loving way that someone could tell you, you were an asshole. <laughs> he basically said, I just want to give you some advice. I know that you are the sweetest person in the world, but you came off tonight just talking a little too much about everything you had to people who don't have. And my brother said, all my life, that's what I don't do. We had two other brothers that weren't as successful as him. But my brother, who was making probably, I don't know, half a million a year at age 27, said, 
I drive a Volkswagen Rabbit so that Harry and Stephen won't ever feel that I have more. So this is just a good, he said, a good way to live your life. And I went, oh my God, you just helped me so much. I thanked him pretty much. I think I follow that. What do you think? You do. That's why I think it's such a good story for for you to tell. Boy, oh boy, am I excited to tell you about Beekeepers Naturals. So where I heard about this was actually through Cameron Diaz. I know she's such a huge fan and she uses this every single day. So I was immediately intrigued. And then I was at a party, which is funny because I don't go to a lot of parties. And I met the owner, Carly, and she sent me a bunch of product to try and I immediately fell in love with it. So what is it? Beekeepers Natural is on a mission to reinvent your medicine with clean, effective products that actually work. Their products created a whole hive of products packed with immune-loving essentials so you can feel your best all day, every day. My favorite out of the whole brand is the Propolis Spray. And I do the spray once a day to support my immune system. To get detailed with you, Propolis delivers natural germ-fighting properties and antioxidants to defend and protect our bodies. This is so important right now. It's sustainably sourced, and this spray is made with three simple ingredients. You know I looked. There's never refined sugars, dyes, or dirty chemicals in these products. You can take this daily, or you can take it when you feel like your immune system's taxed. Another product that is worth checking out is called Be Powered. So it's a clean, powerful alternative to the supplements that are riddled with artificial ingredients. It's a raw honey that contains so many antioxidants and germ-fighting compounds. How I use this is I drizzle it on my smoothie, my oatmeal, or my toast. I keep it around. So I'm obsessed. You guys have to check out their products. We've worked out an exclusive deal for All Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash skinny or use code skinny at checkout to claim this deal. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash skinny. I recommend checking out the spray. Throw it in your handbag. I'm telling you, it's a new superstar in your medicine cabinet, Beekeepers Natural. You can find Beekeepers Naturals nationwide in over a thousand stores like Whole Foods and Sprouts. Enjoy. So after husband number two is number three, lucky number three. Is and it that, lucky number three? The lucky number three also spotted me out amongst friends. And I feel like you have a magic pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I John, have, is that true? <laughs> yes. Yes. It might be a magic, but I think it's more about the unwritten sign that I have around my neck that says, yeah, I have a magic pussy. I probably give a good blowjob. <laughs> So, but no comment. Out the, ladies out there, you want to capture five or six husbands. You got to li- listen, no, listen closely um, here. I do have, I do have that like kind of the hot exotic look, right? You do, and the big boobs and all of you that. You do. So you look very hot. It's whatever it is. So number three, and, and then number three, yeah, that is now. Th- now we're getting to the father of my daughter. Very good person. Still really good friends with them. His family were one of the original. Fo- they were the original founders. His father of Reno, Nevada, when. It started to boom real estate and this and that. His father started a store up there called Parker's Western Wear way back in the early part of the 1900s. Prior to that, I think all the people, all the ranchers in Nevada would go up to San Francisco to the Levi or mail to Levi's to get their Levi's. So he's a smart guy. And so he was also an immigrant, uh, a Jewish immigrant, if I recall. And I married Steve Parker. He was wonderful. But Steve Parker, he wasn't a guy that was happy in the family life with a kid. He really just wanted to do his own thing. He was an introvert. And we parted as very good friends. And that's how I ended up in Los Angeles. My daughter was three years old at the time. I really enjoyed my time with him. But when it was time to go, we both knew it. And then where'd you meet Tony, number four? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So, so far, all of these husbands were like, great. I learned and got, I have zero regrets about any. And I don't regret Tony because Tony Grassi was a guy who I met here in Los Angeles. He was, that was a fix up. I was a a single mom at the time, sort of struggling because I hadn't settled my divorce money with the, with number three, uh, Marika said, and he saw it and I hate to say this about people. He was a salesman and he saw what he had to do to win, to get to make this deal close. 
and he did everything right. But the minute everybody went home from that wedding, the second everything changed. So yeah, I love that. That looks so sexy on you the next day. Take that off. Put an undershirt on. You're not going out of the house like that. This really happened, you guys. And this does happen out there. So the only thing I'm going to say positive about it is I was, I have the most beautiful son in the world. So I do have a wonderful son, Valentino Grassi, who is just, I mean, he just melts your heart. Nothing more to say. He's going to be 30 years old. He loves his dad, but he also understands I'm not going to treat my wife the way my dad treated my mom. And then John. Then. I'm going to leave the room. (laughs) While I was married to Tony, this is a good one. We would go to the Catholic church on the corner of Fountain and Fairfax with the kids. And I really, I stay, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I stayed with Tony for those, I, I think the whole thing was maybe 10 years from start to final divorce. Eight years into it, I think I left because my son was born and my son needed surgeries. So without going into it, it was a very scary time and it was nothing I would have been able to do alone. But in my head, I was saying, as soon as my son is well and able to, every single day, I would say, I'm leaving. I got to get out of here. He's, this is wrong. This is very bad. He's not, he's not good to me. So during church, I would sit there and kind of gaze around the room. And we would always arrive late. So we were sitting toward the back of the church. And then about, th- and we would always leave a little bit early. So we were never there the full hour. So up there, about four pews, ahead, I would see this very good looking man because there was nothing else to do except look around the room in the church and sit there and think about how much I disliked my husband. My husband was a very jealous person, so he never, ever saw me do it. I made sure he never saw me looking. And it turned out to be this guy here, John Afraya. I had no idea who it was, but I would say, no, that's my type. That's my type. God, I'd like to meet that guy someday. Fade out, I think maybe five years went by and John had disappeared from church. He was no longer there. But there was a little girl with him. And I think there was a wife with him at the time, too. I didn't really care. I was looking at him. And all of a sudden, one day, he appeared again. And I was looking, going, wait, that's that same guy. He's back. But again, not letting my husband, Tony, see me looking. Okay, so I thought it was interesting. But I was right at the point where I was getting ready to leave Tony, I had put all these plans together. I was working. I had a little secret savings account. I knew what I was going to do. My son was getting much better. He needed one more surgery. Everything was going well. I was about a month away. And I get a, I get this voice yelling at me one day in my house. Hey, come in here once. Come in here. I want to show you something. And this is how he talks. And he's watching The Sopranos. And I said, yeah, what? And he said, see that guy right there? And he's pointing to an actor on the show. He was pointing to John. I didn't know John was an actor. I didn't know anything about him. And I went, yeah. He said, you ever seen him before? And I was like, mm-mm, never. Mm. <laughs> he said, yeah, well, that guy goes to our church. And I said, I don't know. Never seen him before. And I just walked out and I went, oh, well, I know a little more about the guy now. Believe it or not, about a month later, I was out. I was. I took my kids. I moved to where all these people like me that are in between move. It's called Park La Brea. I get a phone call from a mutual friend of ours who was an actor, an Italian guy named Carmine Caridi. And I was supposed to go meet him at a restaurant called, a coffee shop called The Silver Spoon, where all the old actors hung out, because I wanted to return some of the um, movies he'd lent me. And... He said that he wanted to fix me up with someone. And I said, well, no, Carmine was an old man. I said, no, Carmine, if it's a friend of yours, it's going to be too old. No, let me just tell you something. And he goes, this is a really good guy. I said, well, is he Italian? And he said, yeah. And I said, no Italians, because this last one was Italian. And I said, Carmine, I don't even want to eat pasta right now. Please, no Italian men. And he said, no, you don't understand. He's a gentleman. And and I said, yeah, how old is he? And he said, oh, he's 59, maybe 60. And I said, that's too old. I was 46. Suddenly, he, he said, he's really good. He has an 11-year-old daughter. And when I heard 11-year-old daughter, which is the accent, I said, wait, did this guy by chance go to St. Ambrose Church? And guess what? He was describing the guy that I've been looking at for years. So he 
said he'd like to fix us up. And I said, is he, I don't know, an actor? I don't know. Anyway, turned out we had a date two days later. Yeah, something. He called him, he gave him, and we were inseparable. We never stopped seeing each other. We never, and we had sex. We had sex every single day. Every single day. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Of course I remember. Come close, John. John has to come Yes, I remember very well. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to forget. Every single day you had sex. Yeah. I'm What's the secret to, to having get sex back every to that, day? But it's, we were yeah. both busy, but we yeah. would we lived. Oh, it turned out we only lived like six blocks away from yeah. each other. So, John, who was this Carmine? Who was Carmine to you? Carmine was a fellow actor that I knew for many years, a dear man, just an, another guy you meet in the business. And uh, the Godfather. He was in the Godfather. Too, but we, we never worked together, but we just knew each other. But, and we liked each other and we talked a lot. I didn't see him that much, but he was definitely a good friend. So, and he's dead. Which is really sad. I well, I love his name and R.I.P. He sounds like a cool one. He was a good. He had one of one of the great stories and show best show business stories. Carmine Caridi was hired by Francis Ford Coppola to play Sonny in The Godfather, which is second lead. And I think it was Bob Evans or whoever they they wanted J- Jimmy Kahn, and they he lost this job, which is for an Italian actor. There's no. There's nothing to compare with. It was the job. But but he, the, the job was Al Pacino. The second job was Carmine Caridi, and he, he lost it. He had the job. He had the job. He, he went to he, wardrobe. He was ready to yeah, go. For right. the first Godfather. Yeah. And uh, a, a fellow actor, another friend of mine who's now in the actor's home, called him and said, told him the bad news before Francis called him. And he literally went to the roof and yeah. almost did it. Let's see, I can understand that. He was I'm, celebrating I'm in New York at his tenement building where he grew up on the Lower East Side. His whole family was there celebrating. And that's when he got the call. And he didn't even know how to go talk to his family. He walked to the edge of the rooftop Ugh. and stood yeah, there. Yeah, he was ready to go. Why did they decide to switch? Evans wanted Jimmy Kahn and Francis was not Francis yet. So When was the producer wanted? He was the head of studio. I mean, listen, it's hard to argue with facts after the fact because obviously the movie was oh, yeah. an absolute no hit. No doubt about it. I mean, even even Carmine would say, he said he Jimmy was great. And Jimmy knew the story. Yeah. And Carmine was an amazing guy. He, he would, was great. He would come to my house for dinner every Friday night while I was married to Tony. We did. Tony would have a bunch of Italians over every Friday night and he would cook. I'd, and I'd sit, I'd be sometimes the only woman sitting at a table with all these old Italian actors. Not, not all old, old, young. Carmine would observe the way Tony would treat me. And he pulled me to the side one night and said something. Yeah, one time Tony had me in tears because he said my clothes were too tight when they were coming over. Oh my God, I have to tell you what I did recently. Okay, so I did an Ancestry.com test. So basically you get this Ancestry DNA and this test tells you where your ancestors are from. So they send you this kit and then you spit in it and then you send it back. It takes like five seconds and you get all your results. Ancestry has billions of records and millions of family trees to let you discover their personal stories. This is so cool, you guys. I even have heard that someone found a famous relative. Maybe you could even find a photo of your great grandma as a little girl. There's all different things you can discover. Whatever you find, though, it's really cool to just have the whole history of your family tree. It's the story of your family and it's the story of you. Another thing we did was Michael also did it with me. So we were able to research our whole history and make it like a fun activity for the whole family. I want Zaza to do this when she's old enough. Really fun how you can trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. There's no other DNA test that delivers such unique interactive results. Another thing is sometimes there's these tests online where they take your blood. I am so scared of getting my blood taken. So to be able to spit and just send it back was so easy. Anyway, I just think this is something that is applicable for everyone. It's so interesting. Everyone that I've talked to and told that I've done this has been interested and wanted the code. We got a code for you, obviously. It's Ancestry.com slash skinny. Start exploring your family story today. Head to our URL at Ancestry.com slash skinny to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash skinny. 
I mean, I want to get into it, um, and we will, about how he treated you, too, even when everything was going on with Valentino. Like, he was not nice, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, he was. John, can you, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your relationships? They're they're not as clear cut as, as <laughs> I don't remember all of them. John was either. John liked to do a lot of substance when he was young. Yeah, too. I did a lot of substance. My first wife was a, a woman named Cherie, and we knew met at an acting class, and uh, that was the first one. And she was beautiful, and she was a great girl, and, and she went to Italy to do a movie, and I think that kind of ended it. My second wife was. Ninon was the was the mother of the you mother, left two out, which I don't know who. Don't forget about two. <laughs> Who's two? What about the one called? Uh, I thought two the was the one that what, you worked with, or there was one PR girl, or, a woman named Sarah. We got Do married. people in your day just date a little bit instead of popping the, the well, question? Yeah, and we got married. There was no idea why we got married, and that ended in fifteen minutes. Uh, <laughs> and then there was Ninon. And there's another one there. Someone I don't know who it is. <laughs> another one there. Uh, you, the, Betsy. No. No, she's four. Oh, wait. So, Nina, the Ninon was three. What did they say? Oh, first first right. you marry for love, then you marry for money, then you marry for com- 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 companionship. Yeah. Well, we, we've been married for a long time. Well, we were together for a long time. The marriage is half, to, half that period. But yeah, that, I, think that's, I think that's the marriages. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you guys think that you've been together for 22 years? What's the secret sauce? Mm. I'm not sure there's any secret sauce. It's we love each other. We have issues beyond issues. We think we broke up last night and I, but we have to do every this. Night. We break up every night. But we have to, you know, we couldn't not do this with you guys. We have great respect for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> this may You're be here, over. We got you here against your will. You guys. No, but you, we, we wanted to fulfill this obligation and and so you're and leaving be me happy as... about doing it because it's a great it's a great wait, op- wait, opportunity. So, so you might you might leave her after the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you get it? Give me a ride home. Yeah. yeah. I got you. I got you. I won't leave you in the cold. Cool. Thanks. He would leave me after the show, but I don't think he knows how to do the Uber from here. <laughs> well, I, I he know. still has a flip phone, so I don't know. I, I have not not I have the iPhone on. Okay, so right. so just to go back a little bit, because there's a lot of mothers or people that are pregnant listening to this show, you had a very crazy experience with your son. And one thing that you told me when I started working out with you mm-hmm. was that you said that your first pregnancy was super easy. Mm-hmm. You It was just like yeah. much, very easy. And then you said your second pregnancy, you went on bed rest. You said you gained like triple the amount of weight. You were on steroids. There was end up all these complications. Can you talk about that and also how your husband dealt with all that when that was going on? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I was pregnant when we, when I finally married him, I had misgivings about the marriage again, but I didn't want to have an abortion. I, I knew there was going to be something special about this child that I was carrying. And I, I just said, let's, Let's just go with it. And so it started out, pregnancy was normal. The My husband was being very mean to me for all these different reasons, just because he wanted to control. So he, his idea was, if I'm mean to her, she'll do it. She won't ever, she'll be in my control. So we find out in my, I think, 23rd week, yeah, that... The, my my placenta was detaching. My baby wasn't growing. And translated, I had to go into a hospital, go on bed rest and for a little while and then from their home. And later on, maybe a few weeks into it, we learned his lungs weren't developing. So the treatment for that would the only way to to try to get his lungs to develop would be for me to be getting steroid injections in my butt twice a week in my bed rest. So yes, I was like lying in bed, unable to get up, bedpan, all of that other stuff, steroids. And in the middle of it all, I would go back and forth to the hospital if they thought something was happening. And at one point while I was in the hospital, this same father of my son, same husband, took it upon himself. We were staying in my apartment, which was a small apartment because we were building a house up on Marmont above the Chateau Marmont. And during that time, he had moved all his stuff to mine. I had a, a trunk that was locked. He broke it open 
and went through and looked at my diaries and read every single thing. Wow. And with that information that he learned in the diaries, barged in to the hospital room where all of this trauma was going on and begin to berate me, shout at me, tell me that he would have never married a person like me, which by the way, what did he learn about my first two marriages that were five minute marriages that I chose to just bury under a rug all before, you know, he saw my daughter, he knew about her, but I mean, in retrospect, maybe I should have shared that with him, but what I didn't, I don't ever understand what relevance that is to anybody else in the world except my private life, what it did to me. And it did nothing, <laughs> by the way. It was bad. It was, I would have never married you. What kind of, and it was to the point where I was sobbing and asking him to stop, and it just wouldn't stop. So that's just a little example of, yeah, he was, he was not a good guy. So cut to, we, I do, I make it through this pregnancy and I have a son and, and there were things he needed some surgeries without going into a lot, because trust me when I tell you right now, he's, he's perfect. He had a very, he had acute hearing disorder. And when my son would have hear sounds in his head that would really bother him, the father would yell at him and say, grow up, be a man. This is not, don't baby him like this. And so all that, those kinds of things. Not to say he doesn't love that son. He loves that son. I will never take that away from him, but he loves him in the most narcissistic way possible. <laughs> and I don't know if Valentina is going to hear this podcast, but he and I have talked about this before. I'm not outing Tony. We've talked about it all, but he does love his son and my son loves his father. Very important. It's just the way it is. And you also said something so interesting. You said the way that you healed from Valentino mm -hmm. and everything he had gone through was mm -hmm. you helped other people. Oh, 100%. I thought that was so cool. Can you give that advice to someone that's maybe struggling with something similar? Well, I think the something similar is I would look at my son and find nothing but beauty in him. And I got sick and tired of uh, the doctors were scaring me. Every time I'd walk into that intensive care nursery, they'd say, he's showing signs of this. He's showing. So at one point, I just flipped it. And I said, I'm going to find everything beautiful about my son right now. And I'm only going to look at that. He was four weeks old, five weeks old. And I was standing over him and I stuck my tongue out at him just for fun. And that teeny little infant in that little intensive care cradle looked at me and stuck his tongue back. And I went, oh, okay, my son's a genius. So I have a genius. My son is a genius, despite of anything else that happened. And honestly, there's that. And then I said, okay, I'm a wreck. We got him home. He had to wear a fetal heart monitor for a year. We got through all that, but I decided I was going to get myself strong again because I was so weak. All my muscles were weak and I was fat. When I say fat, like people don't believe how much weight I could have possibly gained by laying around. Mostly, I think it was the steroids that blow you up, but I really had about, I had about 50 pounds to lose. Sound familiar? <laughs> Also familiar. Very familiar. It's not that much fun. So I actually had to sneak behind the father's back to go to a gym and get a trainer. Why? He would. He was jealous. He didn't want me out of his sight. He didn't want. I was going to um, a support group, which helped me through when my son was in the intensive care nursery. Without them, by the way, shout out to Good Beginnings at Cedar Sinai Hospital because that that changed everything for me. He refused to let me continue to go when my son came home to give back. And that's what you said you were giving back to help help heal. Yeah. You were you were helping other mothers who other had mothers. babies that were in right. the NICU. It was so important to me to go back. I mean, he refused to the point where he once shoved me on the ground because I said I'm going anyway. But I got up and went anyway. Huh? Guess what? So I did that. I stayed with that group for as long as I could. I saw, and then I, the whole thing about the feeling like if you don't feel like your body is strong, your mind isn't strong. So because there's such a connection and we all know it. So little by little, I was seeing a trainer. The trainer was hurting me. I found another trainer and he took me into a room to do, he took me to the new gym and down below was a Pilates studio. The only one in LA at the time. Because we're going back to 1991. Mm -hmm. We're going back 20, what is that, 20, 30 years ago. And that's when you got involved in Pilates. Yeah. I walked by, I saw that reformer. I had been on a reformer once back in the 70s when I was dancing and somebody, one of my 
teachers had one to help me. I think she was just about rehabbing me from an injury. And I said, is that Pilates? So he said, guess what? The owner of this gym is like uh, training me to teach this and I can do it. And I said, yeah, let's try it. And that's how it all started. Pilates did every, I knew it was the answer the first. So Betsy finds Pilates simultaneously. You find acting. Can you talk to us about your first acting job and how that changed into playing Uncle Jesse's dad on Full House and doing The Godfather 2 and all these things that you do? Quick break because I need to discuss birth control. I've recently had so many DMs from women all over the world asking for more resources and information and discussion around birth control. So I learned recently that there are more than 21 million women who are not using hormonal birth control, and I'm one of them. But now the FDA recently approved a birth control option that's completely hormone-free. You guys may have seen me talk about this on Instagram already. So it's called Fexi. And it's this combination of lactic acid, 1.8%, citric acid, 1%, potassium bitrate, 0.4%. It's this vaginal birth control gel that comes in a small applicator, like a tampon, and it works immediately and can be used up to an hour before sex. So basically, you apply the gel before you have sex and only use it when you need it. But you have to apply it again before each act of vaginal sex. So when you try it, remember, one dose, one hour, one act. And I have to tell you guys how it works because it's insane, really. Like, I kind of geeked out when I learned this. And you know me, I had to overshare. We're going to go there. Normally, without Fexi, when a guy comes and semen enters the vagina, it causes the pH of your vagina to increase, which allows sperm to keep swimming and make their way up there to fertilize your egg. Are you listening, Michael and Taylor? So Fexi works by maintaining the vaginal pH to a level that reduces the mobility of the sperm, reducing the chance of the sperm reaching the egg. How awesome is that? While Fexi could be a great option for many women like me who are seeking hormone-free birth control, it isn't right for everyone. So be sure to tell your healthcare provider if you have a recent history of three or more urinary tract infections per year. And obviously, as with any new birth control, be sure to check for any ingredients in Fexi you or your partner may be allergic to. The most common side effects reported by clinical trial participants are vaginal burning, itching, and yeast infection. Some male partners also reported local discomfort. And remember, Fexi only works when used before sex, and it doesn't protect against STIs, including HIV. To learn more about Fexi, ask your healthcare provider and visit Fexi.com for complete product information. That is P-H-E-X-X-I.com. And Michael, don't pop a boner. And I want to pay tribute to her and her strength and what she's just described. I've witnessed it, and it was remarkable. She's remarkable. You're back together. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's, oh, this is another. We're doing this for 22 years. Oh, so we're not breaking up tonight? No. Okay. I, well, we'll see. I started studying. Uh, I, I know what, what happened was I, I, I was looking in the Daily News. There was an ad for this acting thing you know and it, was, it was a hype but I, I didn't realize that and I went there and I met the guy and he said you do this and this and obviously you pay money and then you'll be in the movies and you I said and I had no idea but uh, so I said to my I was talking to my sister about it and, she, and I mentioned that she said well wait a second you should call our friend Saul who was a writer who was a writer of the, the honeymooners it was a famous show in the 50s with Jackie Gleason in this one. And he called, he introduced me, he called to Joshua Shelley, who was an acting teacher in New York. And it was a totally different experience. It was, you study, you learn the craft, then you audition and see what happens. And that's how it began. And then I I studied for years and worked, and then I got this job in Arthur, which is the most famous disco of of its era. And I got caught up in that world. I was making a lot of money. I was a bartender in, in the hottest club in New York City. And I kind of walked away. I didn't really walk away, but I wasn't auditioning. I wasn't doing anything. Then I came back, got to California, and I got a, a picture with Steve McQueen, Bullet. And that started. I didn't know you were in Bullet. That's rad. Yeah. That was, that was a small part. And just, it was a working actor for 50 years. Mm, 60? 
60 years. What do you think makes a good actor? That's an extraordinary question. I think honesty. I think it's just relate to the character and, and, and be honest and be real and don't act. I think the major thing is learn the craft, research the thing, and then don't act. Because you see people who are acting, you can see it, and don't act. Who would be your number one or top two actors of all time? Actors, well, actresses? Brando is number one, two, and three. Do we have a Brando-esque type actor right now living, do you think? He's walked away from acting for a while. He was in the Mystic River. Sean Penn? Yeah. Sean Penn. Yeah. I agree with you. He's an amazing actor. He's an amazing actor. I think he's the best actor in the world. Can what, you... When he works, but he's nuts. But you kind of almost have to be nuts. Like yeah. there almost has to be a different side to you, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. As an actor, so. it almost makes the craft better. I, I, absolutely. I absolutely. mean, Brando was for sure nuts. Yeah. But More in a nuts. great way. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us something that you maybe learned from De Niro or Al Pacino or someone that you really looked up to? Is there something that they did? And it could be a business thing. It doesn't need to be just with acting. Not that much. I mean, we're, obviously I worked with Bobby. We then, we got along, but it was weird because we're both we were similar we looked similar on screen so he's not going to be as nice to me as he did with bruno kirby who plays the third guy in that those scenes but he was a you know big fat guy i i don't know what i learned from any of them except that you you learn every something from every scene in every movie so you, you're learning something i mean some of the stuff, I mean, like, like I remember when I got the, the job in The Sopranos, and Jimmy Gondolfini, I knew. And so I got there and and I play, all of a sudden I'm playing a, a, a lawyer, a, a, a district attorney. And so I walk in this room with all those guys, all, and they were all Italian, obviously, and they wouldn't talk to me. And I knew every one of them. And I didn't understand why they did that. But then they started laughing. They didn't, wouldn't talk to me for most of the day because I was playing near their adversary. And I mean, just the, the, the camaraderie that I didn't get for about five hours taught me that I needed the community completely. You, you have to do it. It's a very communal art. Talk about a loss with the community. Uh, James Gandolfini. I mean, uh, what, a, what an actor. Great actor and a great guy. Do yeah. you know my celebrity crush? That's Lauren's celebrity crush. Is yes. with Jimmy. Um, I find him to be so charismatic. He, he was and attractive, and I feel like no offense, Michael, if you never existed, like I would have gone on a date with him. Listen, I couldn't. I couldn't blame you. He there's something yeah. about him. And he wasn't him. good looking. He was just charismatic. As hell. It's, you didn't even. You don't even look at what he looks like. No, no. He's very just, nice he's guy. Very an nice amazing guy. actor. An amazing actor. And a great guy. I love Jimmy. We're, we're good friends. Can I ask you the million dollar question? I've never asked Betsy this. What was it like working with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen? Because <laughs> that's very relevant to the people that are listening. They were adorable. <laughs> they were fine. I, I liked them. First of all, you don't know which was what, which, because they, you, you know, it, you, I don't know who it was. It was because remind me, they played one character, they, they right? Played one character, yeah, and yeah. they always do that. With I mean, my first series was uh, a thing called the Montefuscos. I, I was supposed to be a movie star, and I ended up on uh, the Montefuscos playing a priest. And we had a we had a little kid in the show, and there was two of them. There's always two of them because one day one's not going to do it. You got another one, to, so the, the twins are the, the deal. What about my other celebrity crush, Uncle Jesse? Oh, he's great. I can stand why, why you'd have a crush on uh, Jimmy, Johnny. But he's he was great. We had a great time. It was father and son relationship. I mean, obviously not that. But When you guys met, it was instant connection. You guys yeah. were having sex every single day, according to you guys, which is amazing. What is There's a lot of people out there that are listening that the phone has taken over a lot of romance. Oh. Well, we were, we started out before this phone yeah. thing was huge. I mean, right. There were cell phones, but nothing. Not I like mean, that. I wish we had a camera in those days on the phone. And I feel like <laughs> you hear all the time in Pilates how people are not having as much sex as you guys were having, which is so crazy. Like things have changed for millennials. It's a different world now. 
what advice would you offer millennials that are looking to connect more with their partner? It doesn't have to be just sex, just connection. The sexual connection, obviously, everything is enhanced in the relationship, I think. If you have if that's going, everything else is better. So sex certainly is one of the aspects, but it can't be all on the only aspect or even the most important one. I don't know what to tell anybody considering we've married nine nine marriages between the two of us so maybe we don't we're not the person for the expertise i don't know i actually think you are the person for the expertise because you guys have had nine marriages and i feel like you know what works and what doesn't what do you think babe yeah right (laughs) well there you see compliments every day compliments Um, every day i told i tell michael one compliment every day Oh, um, sure. Keeps yeah. the bitchiness away. And if, if you don't get the compliment, just nicely remind them. Oh, but I like have oh. to remind him. He has it on his calendar. Tell him what you have on yeah, your I gotta, calendar. I put it, I put reminders. But listen, I, I mean, Lauren <laughs> has a tendency to take a compliment and say, okay, what's the next one? 100%. So we, I want 100 uh, compliments every compliments. day. Ah, so, so it's not what, just one? No. Oh, oh, okay. It's never just one. No, Lauren's the type of person, if she gets a paper cut, she'll tell you her whole arm's gone. So like it's a, <laughs> whatever she says one, amplify that by 10 or 20. That's I get it. Every single woman. Like how, how, how long have you been together, you guys? We've known each other since we were 12. 12. Well, yeah. <laughs> he was cow. my first blowjob when I was <laughs> 14. shit. My dad caught us in the closet naked, half naked, when we were 15. And that was interesting. We broke um, up, went our separate ways completely. Uh-huh. And got back together later. So now we've been together, I don't even know, 10 years? 10, 12 years? Well, how old are we? Yeah. 10, 12, 12 years. 12, 12, wow. Yeah. I yeah. can see how you can forget. I could see. Sure. Time goes. I, I haven't had enough marriages. Yeah. I need to have more marriages. No, I don't think you, you, have you, to get you don't need any more because I think you guys did it right the first time. Well, I don't know. Okay. We'll see. You never know. Jury's still out. Got to keep yeah. him on his toes. Bessie. Yeah. But, so, and then, yeah, Jersey's. But yeah, absolutely. I will Forever. say that, remember, we broke, he and I broke up for a year twice during these years and what was that like well we for me it was just because john was being stubborn about not wanting to move in with me and i thought if, if he doesn't move in with me it's not a real relationship so i would threaten to leave him and he would say okay i guess you're gonna have to so i would do it so i would always find another birth boyfriend and i'd be out having fun I, was i in love no was i having fun yeah and then i would get a phone call <laughs> Yeah. Six months into it. Sometimes it would be a drunken phone call, but uh, sometimes I've, I've been not. I've known to have a drink. Like, what, what are you doing? I need to get back with you. I love you. You can't do this. We have to get back. All these things. And then, yeah, I got stronger the second time around, but here we are. It happened. A lot of the questions that came in were about Pilates. Obviously, you are one of the hottest Pilates trainers I in love it. L.A., mm-hmm. Um, you have so many different people coming to you. And I I would want you to give some advice to people wanting to find a Pilates trainer that's oh. really great like you. Oh. What's the tips? Let's say oh. someone lives in Minnesota. You definitely want a trainer that's going to understand that every it's not a cookie cutter experience. Because I know that it happens sometimes. Teachers come out of school right away and they say, okay, this is the flow. This is what we learn. This is what we do. But they're not looking at the individual and saying, what are their needs? So the, the, the best part about Pilates is you could start it at any level. You could be very weak and still do Pilates. So you have to find a teacher that's empathetic, understands. Ideally, find a teacher that's been doing it more than maybe a year or two or something, or somebody who has had the experience you have had where they were starting out at a beginner level. So this is advice for beginning level. For advanced people, oh, for sure, you have to find a personality match. You have to find a teacher that will not just speak to you in brain surgery terms, but that they can get in on your level. And you you do have to have fun with it. So if it's not fun, you're not going to love it. Those are some of the tips. For me, it's pretty simple. Just my longevity and for the amount of years I've been doing it and my health and my, my physicality without without bragging, I'm in like excellent shape. And I've never felt that it was a chore or a hard strain or anything that I didn't want to do. So find a teacher that believes in it this way, that they have joy in what they do and that they want to be there and they really are devoted to you. But most certainly, don't let a teacher just give you the same exercises that they give every single other person because it should never be that way. 
You really are in excellent shape, though. You look, I mean, sometimes you walk into Pilates and I literally think I'm looking at a 21-year-old. <laughs> like, she looks like a 21-year-old. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you, you're in the best shape I've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyone like your age ever yeah yeah uh, and, I, and I, what's the secret like what are you what are you eating what are you doing what how many times a day are you working out are you doing are you using your body weight give us a couple tips and well, tricks okay yeah so i i do pilates i would say i do it six hours a week if i had to count hours so maybe one hour or six days a week if it's not a full hour it's 20 minutes with a client and maybe a little another little client will come in and say and i have a few clients that are that love it when I do the whole hour with them. So I I do Pilates. I uh, I take walks with the dog. I don't run anymore because uh, I've got a little water on one knee. I eat health. I will say I like to cook. I don't like to use like eat like fried foods. Pizza has never been my thing. I'll treat myself to pasta because I like it, but not that often. Once a week, I do a lot of cooking at home. I, I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of protein, and I. Lucky for me, I enjoy it. Do I drink? That's going to be a big question. Yes, I do. But I drink like maybe once a week. Okay, but tell us what you drink because the margarita that you make whenever (laughs) I come to your house is the best. Give us the exact recipe. So uh, yeah, so Lauren loves it because I will put the, I will take a little shaker. I put a shot or two of tequila in. I add fresh lime juice. So I sometimes buy the uh, Santa Cruz lime juice that's already made or I just will squeeze lots of lime juice. I then add some club soda. What else? Oh, and I, two slices of jalapeno pepper, either chopped or just sliced. And then I shake it up with the ice and then I pour it into a glass that has a little bit of tahini around the rim. And I think that's all I do. I think that's it. And yeah, it's delicious. But really when, when, when you look at that, there's the only sugar in there is the tequila itself. So it's uh, my favorite margarita. It's yeah. so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So drink about six of those a night and you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> You're always making recipes. Can you share something that John likes that you make for him all the time that's really healthy? I always see it on your Instagram stories. John, I, what's your favorite? Uh, she, she makes a brilliant roasted chicken. I knew you sure. were going to say, say that. The, say the roasted chicken. That's always on your story. Yeah. So it's, it's a, one, of the, one of the great well, dishes. Uh, and, and I'm going to try to tell you how to do it real quickly. And if you forget, go online and look up Thomas Keller's roasted chicken because it's the simplest thing you could do. And by the way, if you're out there, shout out to my friend, Amy, who told me about this a long time ago, Amy Narone, who is now married and she's Amy Silic and has two kids. Whoa. You put the, you just take a chicken, usually four and a half pound and make sure it's air chilled because a lot of times we don't know what it'll say organic. It'll say natural and all that. Yes. But if it says air chilled, that means it wasn't thrown in a vat with a bunch of other chickens after it was killed. But a lot of times in the big factory places, they will, after they uh, kill the chickens while they're waiting to process it, they get thrown into ice water vats to preserve. I know. And there are other chickens in there. And the, I mean, the theory is it's ice water. So they're, fr- they're very cold and they're not. But air chill, they're put on a conveyor belt one by one. And they're sent through these chambers on the belts where ice cold air is blowing down on them. They never touch another chicken. And that's a really huge thing for and so far it's air chilled chicken yeah so and more and more i'm seeing air chilled chicken in any stores i've even yeah usually you used to have to do them in the better stores get them so usually they're about four four and a half pound chickens anywhere between three and a half four and a half pounds you preheat your oven to 450 you uh, take your chicken off rinse it and then pat it dry and get it so dry that it almost feels like your fingers bouncing off of it dry the inside cavity. I like to put like a... a it cu- sounds like you're telling us how you give a blowjob, but like with a chicken. <laughs> Pat it real dry. <laughs> well, wait, with the salt? Because I haven't gotten to the salt. So, yeah, and the garlic and the lemon. Yeah, there we go. So what? I put two, I cut a lemon in half, stick it in the cavity with some fresh rosemary. Now that's optional. And then you start with the salt and it has to be a good coarse ground kosher salt. Pat it all over the... Oh, yeah, the breast of it and get that for and then flip it over and then pat it all over the legs and the wings, the little things that stick up all over that. And that's it. I take some string and twine and I tie the legs together so they won't open up and dry out. And I take toothpicks into the wings. You can do it anyway. And leave that in the oven for, I would say, 50 minutes. That's it. Besides cooking, John, mm-hmm. 
What advice would you give to me and Michael as a young couple? That's tough. You guys seem to be doing fine. Eh, it depends the day. Looks um, can be deceiving, John. Moment to moment. It's one of the things you learn in, in studying the, the method thing is that it should be moment to moment. And you, you don't relive the line before or after. It's that line. The thing I learned from that is it's a life lesson. It's moment to moment. It really is. That's the advice. Moment to moment. Instead of looking back at all the things Especially that, that could have changed. Or yeah. looking too far forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just moment to moment. I yeah. feel like I look backwards sometimes and you look forward sometimes. We have a reverse problem where she looks really far in the past and I look too far in the future and it's hard to get into the moment. I mean, that, that's a trick, right? Is living moment to moment. So yeah, not, It's easier said than done. It's no kidding. It really is. Betsy, and, what's your advice? No, I think I should start doing that because I live in the past and the future. I just, I'm all over the place. I think tolerance and love. If I get angry with him, I can stop myself and say, but you love him. And you have to learn to love your partner, not in spite of what they do. You have to kind of almost learn to love them for what they do, their quirky things and their things that piss you off because always remember they're not trying to do anything to you that's just who they are and it's really in life again with i'm going to say it like like john just said it in life it's just a good way to live because when people are doing things to piss you off if you just stop almost every single one of them are doing it because of something going on in their head not because they're trying to piss you off but when you're in love with someone it's really important to stop and remember he had a thing and it really annoys me. Yeah, it does, but it, it has nothing to do with you. But he has a big, big, big personality. A big, big personality. A big, big personality. And, and you know, uh, so I yes, we don't live in the past. We live in the but I live with those memories of that sex all those years. <laughs> <laughs> I said I am living in the past with those memories of all that sex all those oh, years. Oh yeah, well, that was great. Well, it's still my fantasy. <laughs> we would call each other like, "What time can you be? What time can you be here?" Yeah. That is like very, very, very oh. inspirational. And when we didn't have the kids, we would plan these all-nighters. And I don't want to go into what would happen then. Oh, wow. I, we'll leave oh, it. Wow. We can all imagine. And John said, oh, wow. And it would, it would always end where I'd be waking up in the morning and walk in the kitchen and see John holding a wine bottle with about one more sip left. And he's holding it up in the air, chugging it. God. You guys are a fun time. I mean, honestly. But, well, yeah. It would be great if uh, we had no responsibility. But... We didn't talk about when John was 67 years old, he was on a show in San Diego and he came back after working, I don't know, was it eight weeks or something? He was trying to drive back and see me, but he had to. Oh, yeah, he was going back. They were trying to do like whatever, 13 episodes in three weeks of this night. I don't even night. know what that show was. was. I think it was called The Heiress or something. It was on the CW. And guess what happened? He was back for a week and he had a stroke. John yeah. had a stroke. She saved my life. I mean, she was very supportive. I mean, no, it was a major stroke. It, it should have killed me. Should have. I was it, yeah. hoping it did, but that's not shouldn't. Yeah. Dark humor. No, we're glad that you're here today. Thank you, Dora. We're no, glad. Yeah, he was told he wasn't going to walk or talk again. And, and look at him. He went right back to acting. He, he's so attractive. Like oh. he walks into Pilates and all the girls swoon. Oh, please. You still got it. It's true. In his well, leather jacket. He's so cute. I posted you on my Instagram story. If you could leave our audience, each of you, yeah. with a book, a movie, a podcast, a show that you think will enhance their life, what would it be? It could be literally anything. John, we'll start with you. The Stranger by Kimo is, is a book. I guess there's so many movies, but On the Waterfront, I would say, so if you never saw it, you should see it. It's I got a don't new miss. book and a new movie I'm going to check out. Okay, Betsy, you have to tell us. Well, okay, because I am a child of the 50s and I was around during all of the great movements and the um, just the Martin Luther King movement, everything. I watched the African-American change happening right to me because I was in inner city schools in Chicago. Anyway. I had a favorite writer. Well, I had a couple of them, but there is a book called Native Son by Richard Wright, if you haven't seen it, and it is a movie. So I'm going to say if you haven't read it and you haven't seen it, it's life changing. And so I would say that. Read it. You'll be inspired. And just really quickly, leave us with a resource for Pilates. Is there a book we should read or anything? I always tell people to get a book and by a woman called Brooke. Siler, 
S-I-L-E-R-S. It was written in the 90s, even maybe early 90s, maybe late 80s. Uh, I think she still teaches Pilates in New York. And she will, it's, it's a mat workout book. It's called The Pilates Body, simply. That's it. And it's still available. It's everything you need to know about getting started in Pilates. And her visual images are amazing. She does drawings and she takes you through all of the mat work, which all of that then later in, in the studio you take to the reformer. But it will strengthen. It, it just gets your body prepared. But it makes it so you there is no confusion. And she does it in beginning, intermediate, and advanced levels. The Bible. You're both amazing. If someone wants You're to right. find you guys, where can they find you? Pimp your Instagram out, website, whatever. Oh, yeah. So my Instagram is at, at Parker Pilates. So if you want to find me. And also uh, you have a lot of workouts on there. Well, the workout, yeah. I'm, it's not launched yet. Be ready for in about... I'm saying three, four more weeks, there will be a website where you could buy a subscription and work out with me every single day. And I don't want to say too much about it. I don't want to give too much away, but it's going to be amazing. And John doesn't have social media, which no, is No, I'm hot. not a social media guy. I'm 100 years old. and yeah. I'm following your footsteps. That's what I want to be. I don't yeah. want to be a social media guy yeah. either anymore. I'm done. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame you. John, John is a flip phone yeah. guy. Well, I also have an iPhone. But I didn't have, I, for, I forgot to bring my flip phone and now I'm realizing nobody can call me now, which is fine, but I didn't bring it for some reason. But that's the phone I use. What I use for Lyft, because I don't drive anymore, I use the, the, my iPhone. And I call her on that. Nothing wrong with that. You guys are an amazing couple. You can come back anytime. So are you guys. So Thank are you. you. We had, Thank you. This was fun. Are we yeah, it was fun. Are we breaking up? We'll figure it out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it'll change in an hour anyway. Yeah, it will. You guys, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. Thank you. Guys. Thank you so much. Okay. Do you want to win some Skinny Confidential stickers to decorate your Hydro Flask and iPhone with? Um, they're on my Hydro Flask currently. I'm having a little cucumber water and I'm telling you they are cute. All you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at the Skinny Confidential. And of course, Make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast. If the show brings you any kind of value, it just helps grow the community and the show. With that, we'll see you next time.